0: There we go. Good morning. You guys doing good? Good to see you. Uh if it's your first time, welcome. Just excuse our mess. It's We usually do church outside. This is a better deal this morning, I think. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At least you're not cold. Hey, I'm going to start off the message today with a video and I'm going to give you a little heads up. I've shown this video I've shown this series of videos in the past and it's like, I don't know, these young urban types. Uh but the young man represents Jesus, so he's playing the role of Jesus. He doesn't have a long hair and beard and and flowing uh, sheets like we wear, uh, <laughs> so uh, it's it's contemporary. Just so you know, so uh, it's sometimes by, by by time people figure out who the character is, they've missed a couple of points. So, uh, Crystal, can you go ahead and roll the video and just keep in mind that the young guy's Jesus. guys doing? Well, today is your special day, and your birthday comes only once a year. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Since you're here, why don't you sit down and talk? We'll catch up. Uh, no, 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 this is about you. And this year for your birthday, we knew exactly what you wanted. Really? Yeah, we need you see them. We all got you gifts? Well, the gifts are really unnecessary. I mean, I, I just want to sit down and chat. Here, soon. open mine first. Uh, oh, OK. All right. Oh, Uh, clever. Uh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) W-W-I-D, and I'm the only one that can wear it. (laughs) Right, do you love it or what? (laughs) I thought if Jesus would want anything, this would be it. It's great, Drew. (laughs) Listen, I know you were looking for work. Yeah, Jesus, you know what? We're all looking for work here. Open mind. (laughs) Sure. It's a Bible. Oh, (laughs) Bible. it's got your name on it, and your words are in red, just in case you forgot what you said. (laughs) <laughs> Always nice. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> How did it go when you went over to talk to your aunt? Oh, Jesus! I... Here, open uh, my gift. Okay, yeah, you're gonna love it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> See right there. Huh? Okay. And what is this? Sand from the Holy Land. I, I special ordered oh. it just for you so that you would feel more at home. You know? I do. Anyway, and that's not all. <laughs> Check this out. Huh? Cross. Yes, a cross, exactly. But not just any cross. This cross was made from the same wood that your cross was made from. Can you Uh, believe it? And you can uh, wear it as a necklace, you know, to remind you of that day. Yeah, I don't think that's a problem. All this is unnecessary, guys, because uh, all I really want to do is talk. Jesus, what is your problem? I mean, if you don't like our gifts, just say so. Yeah, we went through a lot of trouble to get you these. This Bible was not cheap, and the engraving was real gold. You're gonna act like that. You can forget about seeing us at Easter. You know, you can at least be grateful for the stuff that you wanted. But all I really wanted was you. What are you laughing about? Isn't that good? All right. So last week, we, if, you were here, if you weren't here last week, we talked about Ruth, and this is actually part two. So uh, I'm going to get you caught up real quick. Um, Ruth was able to engage the favor of God and man. Uh, pretty much I focused on the favor of God last week. Today we're going to be talking about the favor of man. And here's the interesting thing about Ruth. Uh, she was not a good little Israelite girl. She wasn't Jewish. She was a, she was a pagan. She was a Moabite. Uh, She was the sworn enemy of the Israelites. She's the descendant of Sodom and Gomorrah. So that kind of puts it in perspective for you. And she did something that most of us can't do. She gained God's favor, and she did it unconditionally. Remember the part of the story, she saves her mother-in-law from impending doom. Her mother-in-law lost her husband, Elimelech. She lost her two sons. She lost all of her money, and to make matters worse, she's old. So she's going through this Job experience without the boils. Maybe she had some boils, and they didn't write it down. But it's as bad as it gets for this lady. And Ruth, this pagan, her heart goes out to her mother-in-law. She loves her mother-in-law for some reason. And she says to herself, when, and when everything is bad, and when it, you know this is imminent death, she, she says, I want... I want your God to be my God. I want your people to be my people. And she clings to Naomi. She just latches on to everything Naomi has, her faith, her life, and she sacrifices her entire life to serve this, this woman. If A- Father Abraham is the, he's the father of faith, right? Well, I... I I made this up by myself. I didn't steal this from anybody. Naomi's going to be the mother of faith. There was no, there were no conditions for Naomi. At least Abraham had a promise. God says, you know what, be a man of faith, and then I'm, I'm going to promise, I'm going to give you all these blessings. There were no promises. There were no conditions. There were no strings attached, attached for Ruth. Uh, what, what did she have to look forward to? Death and, and failure and uh, famine. That was her reality. But there was something about her mother-in-law. There was something about Ruth. And maybe it was a conversation that happened around the campfire or they're we making dinner where she was just attracted to this woman's faith. I can't say the same about the two sons and, and the father. You know, they, I, I believe that they, they weren't faithful. They left the promised land to seek riches. And what they feared the most came upon them. They, they died in famine. So, but there was something about Naomi that, that this really captivated this pagan girl. And so she gave her life without any thought of reward. She knew that Naomi's life was, was going to end in death. And uh, it's a huge expression of love. So a story that starts off with famine, failure, death, well, it ends like this got your Bibles. You want to turn to the book of Ruth. We're going to go to the end of the book. Short book, four chapters. You can read it in, in you know, an hour or so. Did anybody read it this week by chance? All right, cool. Here's, here's the end of it. They go back to Israel, and not only does Ruth experience the favor of God, Naomi does, not only does Naomi begin to experience the favor of God, but they begin to experience success, providence, God setting some stuff up for them. Uh, Ruth gets married to somebody that's related. And uh, a story that starts with famine, failure, and famine, it, uh, it ends with, with huge blessing, with life, with new life, and with huge success and fame and fortune. So here we go. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women, this is probably the women of the society around uh, the, the, the community, the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Other translations say kinship redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better than seven sons, gave birth to him. That's kind of a big deal. There's actually something there. He says, look, your daughter-in-law, like a foreign woman of a different ethnicity you decided to to, to, to have a friendship with with somebody that's outside of your culture this daughter-in-law is better than you know your 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 son it's actually better than seven sons seven's an important number because it's seven is is the number of completion so it's your daughter-in-law is better than the perfect family, is what, what, what they're saying. that makes sense? And family is everything in this culture. Family trumps everything else. So your daughter-in-law, this, this pagan, is better than your, the most idealized form of family that you could possibly think of. Then Naomi took the child, in her arms, and she cared for him. It's fun. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the ancestor of Jesus. So this pagan girl, this pagan girl who gets the very attention of heaven has an incredible amount of faith where God pays attention to, to her declaration that says I'm gonna go where you go I'm gonna um, your people are gonna be my people your lot in life is gonna be my lot in life I'm willing to die die give everything up in order to be in a relationship with you somebody that's outside of my ethnicity and in order to be in a relationship and to talk to Yahweh because she says the Lord, be it ever so severe, may, de- may deal with me if I don't protect you, Yahweh. So she wants a deeper relationship with this God. Now, I said last week, we can do nothing outside of faith to earn God's favor. I mean, there's a lot of little di- different things that we could do. But bottom line is, we can't earn God's favor because we already have it. The only thing that we've got is faith. And faith is expressed through faithfulness. I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm a person of faith, yet they're not faithful. Uh, That's not somebody of faith. That's somebody that thinks that they're lucky when they go to Las Vegas. Does that make sense? Okay. People of faith is expressed through faithfulness. And Ruth was doggedly faithful. She loved so much that it, it showed in her very actions. So what I want to look at today, again, the only thing that we could do to earn God's favor, to have his favor to shine on us, is this is faith. But as we continue to read into the story, and if you read the story, uh, Ruth was able to engage people, and she increased not only in favor with God, but she increased in favor of, uh, with other people. So when, when she drags Naomi back to Naomi's homeland, I mean, what? Are the, okay, she's got to go back to it. She's a foreigner. She is an immigrant. She's of, a, she's of the enemy's camp. The Israelites don't like the Moabites. They even have it in the book. You guys aren't welcome here. You can't worship God. They don't like her. But what's, there's no benefit for her to go back. And she goes back, and the only thing that she can do to survive... The only opportunity that she has is to glean. Now, gleaning is a—it's uh, something that—it's that, that it, a rule that was established in the Old Testament to take care of the poor. Farmers had the obligation, the legal responsibility, not to harvest all the way to the edges of their fields. They were to leave a, a, a portion. They were to leave the corners uh, so that the poor could come and harvest the field to take care of the poor. This is how they, they, they took care of society. So farmers were not allowed to maximize their profits. This is, a, this is actually a big deal. It might not make any sense to you, but that's a huge deal. Um, farmers, uh, maybe, maybe not so much anymore, but farmers are very territorial. They're very, uh, they have a, a sense of, of possession. They own their land. And the, it is their land. When, uh, when the first settlers came to America, they, they encountered Native American Indians, right? And basically two types of, of, of cultures they encountered. They encountered the hunter-gatherers, you know, the ones that, that chased the buffalo and slaughtered them, and, and that's, how they made, that's how they survived. And they encountered uh, the farmers, the agricultural societies. Uh, who do you think you got the most pushback from? Who was the most violent? You want to take a guess? Who do you think? Hunters? No. It was the harvesters. It was the farmers. Actually, the hunter-gatherer Indians, they, they you know, the, the the Cherokee and they 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 would welcome the, the new settlers in. They would they would exchange information, they would show them how to hunt, they would show them the roots to eat, they helped them survive. The Iroquois, on the other hand, were the meanest, nastiest people on the earth. They're the ones that had the large crops. And if you stepped foot on their property, if you took something out of their land, they, they, they wouldn't just kill you. They would string you up. They would torture you and skin you alive and let you suffer for days. That's how mean and nasty these people were. And if you think back to the original murder, Cain and Abel, Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God. He gave the first fruit. Actually, it wasn't fruit, it was the animal. He sacrificed the animal. Abel was a herdsman. Some commentators, I kind of maybe head on that direction, that he might have been even a hunter gatherer. But the, 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 the key concept of it, he was a herdsman. Now, Cain, on the other hand, was the farmer. And it says he only gave a portion of his crop. And it it wasn't acceptable. And he was really upset. He was really mad, like these guys on the video, that God did not accept his present. And he threw a temper tantrum, and he killed his brother. Do you see the mentality that we can fall into? Oh, God, I'm going to give you presents, and I expect something in return. Right? Do you see the heart of Ruth in this? I'm going to give you my life, unconditionally. I don't expect anything in return. Wow. See, this is this is this gets to the heart of it. And when she engages, that's what that was that was the key for her to gain God's favor, right? And when she begins to engage man, specifically Boaz, uh, we see God influencing. Boaz. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to show you how Ruth was able to get man's favor. She's gleaning. She's she's you know, she's getting these crops on the edges and the corners of the property. She doesn't know where she's at. She doesn't know who land, what whose land she's working on. And as she's, you know, she's like looking over her shoulder. So this is a foreign woman in a foreign land. And she is among the poor trying to get the scraps. And whenever the poor are fighting for what's left over, it usually ends in violence, right? So this gal is looking over her shoulder. She doesn't belong there, and she's poor, but this is the only option she has. And for some reason, she's in the right place at the right time, and the right guy shows up, and Mr. Boaz goes in to check on his workers in the field, and he says, what's going on? And by the way, who's that? And if you notice, if you read the story, it doesn't say, who is that radiantly beautiful woman? She's so exotic and attractive. That's not what's being said here at all. In fact, I don't believe that Ruth was an attractive woman, and I'll explain why later. But he said, who is this? That awareness of who's in his field well, that is the favor of God working in a in a in a divine setup. God moved Boaz into it and he made the connection. And he begins to ask questions. Who is this woman? What is she doing here? It's like, "Oh, well, that's Naomi's that's Naomi's uh, daughter-in-law." And Naomi, well, she's who this person is and, and and I think you might be related to Naomi in some sense. And so Boaz engages Ruth says, "Hey, what what are you doing here? And and uh, don't you aren't you aware that this was a dangerous environment for you? In fact, um, I'm going to allow you to come and work behind my servants, behind my maidservants. I'm going to take you off of the outskirts. I'm going to take you away from the margins, and I'm going to let you actually." be a part of the harvest, the real harvest that's in the center of the fields. And I'm going to let you take part in this. And Ruth works herself all day long, nonstop. She takes a very small break, and she goes back to working from from dawn to dusk. She works hard. And then something very interesting happens that, uh, that we need to really pay attention to. She says, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to glean. Okay, why is this important? Because gleaning was the poor's right. It's written in Torah. It is law. Boaz does not have the right to reap the full harvest. He doesn't have the right to maximize his profits. He has to allow the poor to feed. Regardless, Ruth says thank you. She didn't have to do it. She didn't have to express her thankfulness. But she does. And you know what that does? That increases Boaz's favor for her. We don't necessarily do this, do we? Do we do this with our employers? No, we have the right. We punch the time clock. We have our employee's manual. We know what our rights are, and we know how much time we have to put in, and we're not going to work any extra. In fact, they need to be thanking me. They need to be thanking me for my presence here on the, on the job. I am so underappreciated in my work environment. I, I don't get the respect that I deserve here. See, Ruth does not have this entitlement attitude. She's extremely thankful for scraping up the scraps. She expresses her gratitude to her new boss, and as a result of that, Boaz's heart increases more for her. He says, look, I, I've noticed you've been working so hard all day long. Why don't, you, why don't you come and have lunch with us? And so she's able to eat the toasted barley, and she's able to dip it in the, the oil and vinegar. And she gets her full. You know, she gets fed full. Actually, she gets more than enough. She gets more than what she actually needs, and she takes, she takes what's left over, uh, you know, she... she what she gathered she takes it back to Naomi and she presents her day's labor to Naomi and says this is what this is what, this is what I did today and there's a, more than enough for me and there's more than enough for you and Naomi's response is like this is not gleaning i know what gleaning is <laughs> gleaning is you work all day long and you're still hungry after you've eaten this is not gleaning you've been blessed what's going on who did you meet how is how did this how did you get this such favorable you know return? She says, oh, I met Boaz." And she says, like, "Excuse me, Boaz. Do you know who Boaz is?" Boaz was related to Naomi's husband. And we don't know if it was his second uncle or, you know, third cousin wants to remove. We don't know what the exact relationship is. But the wheels start turning, and both Naomi and Ruth, they see the opportunity. They see the favor. They see the divine setup that's going on and say, we got to jump on this right now. And this is not a time to to be passive. This is not a time to sit around and pray about things. This is a time to act. And this is what I'm going to have you do and probably one of the most raciest passages in the Bible. If you have kids in the room, you might want to get them out because it's going to get a little steamy, okay? So uh, Ruth, Naomi says, you need to go, you need to hang out with him tonight. You guys, you guys need to go out. <laughs> you, guys <need> to, <laughs> you guys need to go out, and, you know, I don't know what people do in dating anymore. I think they do it online, right? I don't know. Uh, I'm so glad I don't have to date anymore. I mean, oh, man, that's miserable. Oh, I'm so glad I don't have to do that. Anyway, um, Ruth kind of, I guess she kind of sneaks into the room. She's like that persistent. She's that forceful. She sneaks into the room, and she uncovers his feet. Oh, oh, so, so racy. Oh, my gosh. And they didn't realize the Bible was that steamy, right? And um, anyway, uh, you know, so something startles Boaz, probably because his feet are cold. I don't know, and um, he wakes up and he's like, "Wait, who are you? What's going on? I'm all disoriented. Why are my feet uncovered?" Um, and she says, "I am I, Ruth. I'm your servant. I, you just you just called me in to to be one of your servants, and I just gotta again, I gotta thank I gotta thank you for this. Will you?" put your mantle over me? Will you cover me with your wings? And what, what's she really saying? This is, this is the boldness of this woman. This is the all out God, I, this courage. You know what she's saying? She says, will you marry me? Will, will you marry me? That, that doesn't, women don't do that. They don't, they hardly do it in our culture. They definitely didn't do it in, in that culture. She said, will you marry me? And Boaz is like, wow, I would like to. Now, we see, again, we see the faithfulness of Ruth. We see her thankfulness, her acknowledging that what she has is good enough to be thankful for. We see that she's doing things unconditionally. We're seeing she's working her tail off, to the, working herself to the bone, she's being obedient. She's even being obedient to Naomi, this old lady's instructions on how to, you know, how to date. Let's go in there and uncover his feet. It works every time. And um, so we see her just really just, just, just stepping out, and she's even saying, "Will you marry me?" And as a result of this, this faithfulness, again, it moves Boaz in a way. But we also see, which we, we lack a lot in our culture, we see an expression of character. We see character that is expressed and faithfulness is expressed through through Ruth. But then Boaz, this, this kinship redeemer, he is the formal redeemer in the story. Because you know, he's, he's saving them. He's feeding them. He got He's, he's he understanding that the Holy Spirit is prompting him to rescue this family. So he's providing uh, practically for their needs. And he says, I don't know why, but I'm feeling really good about this, but I have to do things the right way. Because... I am related to, your, to, hit, to Naomi's you know, dead husband, Elimelech, but I'm not first in line. I'm not the closest relative. I'm the second, third cousin once removed, but there's, there's an uncle. doesn't say that. I'm making it up. But there's somebody else that's closer in relationship, and I have to do things the right way. And so he approaches the next in kin, the closest relative to Elimelech. And he says, here's your family. Here is, here's your kin. You are the kinship redeemer. And it's your responsibility to take on that role. It's, kinship redeemer was to, to help in situations like this, to get people out of debt, to get people out of bondage, to give them their land back so they can maintain their family lineage. Again, family is everything and this individual says wow really good deal i have to pay off all their debts and i get to marry ruth the moabite the pagan ethnic gal i'm not gonna touch that with a 10-foot pole this is not a good deal she's not even that good looking i'm out i'm out That's why I don't think Naomi was a looker. She was just faithful. She was just diligent. She was able to pull heaven down on her. So Boaz enters into this relationship. They get married. And a bad situation turns out really, really good. Again, Ruth... She gained favor of God and she took it to the next step and she gained the favor of man. It's an amazing story. All right. This is going to be the hard part. She does the whole thing without conditions. Again, she gives her life without getting anything in return. There's no there's no promise attached to it, and you know we can think about giving, you know I don't know practically giving you know gifts, giving presents and things like that. My experience, I have been I've experienced God's favor in my life, a lot of different areas in my life. When I was growing up, um, not the smartest kid in class. Uh, I didn't do well in math. I had problems in reading. Uh, I had a, I have a mild form of dyslexia. They didn't know that back then, so they just put me in the special ed classes. Not fun. Um, my parents were were doggedly persistent, and they—they—they they, put pressure on the teachers, but they would do it in a way that was respectful, that was thankful. They didn't demand their rights. They acted out of kindness. They said, look, you're a really great teacher. I like your dress. (laughs) Did you do something with your hair this week? You look great. My kid needs this help right now, okay? So there is, Ruth was a nice person. Most of us in our society, it's getting worse and worse and worse where we're just, not, we're, we're just turning out to be not nice people, right? And especially this time in the season, when you're at Walmart and the, the lines are long, and there's that gift that everybody's fighting over, people become mean and nasty and rude. And that is not how you get the favor of man. You get the favor of man by expressing kindness, by being nice to people by complimenting them, by actually caring about them. Ruth knew this secret. She didn't demand her rights. She was nice. She was pleasant. And even Boaz says, you've uncovered my legs. You are so nice and kind to me. (laughs) Read it. That's how it comes off. It's like, you could be hooking up with all these other young men, but you chose to uncover my feet. Your kindness is blowing me away. How you get the favor of men? You're nice to people. It's simple, right? But we're losing that. Like that that dogged persistence, that ability to work hard when when you're tired, when there's nothing. There might not be a paycheck involved in it. You might be in scene three, free, freezing to death, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is how we get God's favor. All right, you want to see how it works with people? I have, I've been in ministry all of my life. I mean, I've either been you know, in the, in the family, at home. There's always ministry going on when you're a pastor's kid. Um, let's see, how long has it been now? 13 years on staff, 12 years on staff, been doing ministry before that, children's ministries and all these different things. Uh, serving, serving people. This is what I've known. This is what I've learned about people. People are going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. You're going to go and visit them in the hospital, and they're going to forget about it. You're going to bring them a meal, and they're not going to say thank you. You're going to, you're going to serve them to the bone and do all these nice things, and you're not going to get a Christmas card. Oh, by the way, you're not going to get a Christmas card from, from the Kapchinsky family. We've been married for 12 years, and we've never sent out Christmas cards. So just, if you don't, if you don't get one, don't get your feelings hurt. Um Yeah, just talking to my wife about that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What? No, no, she doesn't. Okay, I'm sorry. She's not here today to defend herself. I wouldn't send out thank you cards. Anyway, all right, moving on. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, people are going to let you down. You see, when you decide to serve people, when you have compassion for people, when you have God's heart, that, that love that Ruth has, you can't expect anything in return. You have to serve unconditionally. It's the only way that it works. It's the heart of Ruth. And, you, and you, maybe you've thought to yourself, you know, I, I, work, you know I, I was so nice to this person. I worked so hard, and, and I did all these nice things, and I sacrificed my time and my energy and my money, and I didn't even get a thank you. I am not going to allow people to hurt me ever again. It's giving a gift like the folks on the TV. I'm going to take my toys and go if you're not going to appreciate what I've given you. Right? It's a hard thing to get, right? What does Ruth show us? She shows us that you can give unconditionally and love without the ability to get anything in return. But your God that I want to be my God He always pays it forward that is one of the secrets that I've learned in doing ministry I might go visit somebody in the hospital and they may never come back to church or never thank me or never say I really appreciated you coming out and visiting me I might not ever get that return this side of heaven but I know God always pays it forward that's how he works in his kingdom and when we decide to give and to serve, and when we are doing it in our kingdom, we're going to be disappointed. Right? You're going to get disappointed. So you have to take on the mentality of Ruth and decide to serve, decide to give in God's kingdom. It always gets paid forward. Now I think about my life, and I think about all the times that I have been favored, that, that God is use people to bless me in a lot of different ways, people just being nice to me, people me giving me stuff. When I was a little kid, somebody gave us a pony. I don't know if that was a blessing or a curse, but I thought it was really cool, right? And we had, we had a wooden deck in the backyard, and this pony would run back and forth on the wooden deck all night long. <laughs> it was my mom and dad did not appreciate that, but it was fun. I mean, it was a huge blessing. And I'm thinking to myself, how many times has God wanted to pour out his favor on me, but he couldn't because I was an ungrateful little child, an ungrateful 40-year-old child, and he couldn't pour out his favor because I was like, these are mine, give them to me, right? Or I didn't have that thankful heart that Ruth has, where I couldn't acknowledge somebody above me or I couldn't be thankful for you know, the scraps, the gleaning That he's been given, that I've been given. It's like, wow, how many times have I missed out on God's favor because I'm so consumed about getting stuff in return? How many times have I lost sight of God's kingdom because I've been selfish? All right. You doing okay? All right. Let's wrap it up. Be thankful if you want to gain the favor of men. Be thankful. Be obedient. Show integrity. Be diligent. Be dogged. You need to have... um, You need to be meek. You know what meekness is? When Jesus talks about meekness in the Sermon on the Mount, it says it's, it's power under control. Ruth was an extremely powerful woman. Yet she had it under control. Be polite. A little bit of niceness will go a long ways in our society. And you have to serve unconditionally. You have to have that that faith that Ruth had. It's difficult. It's hard. Um, I'll let you in on a little bit of a secret. Uh, Nativity is coming up again tonight and the next week. Okay, this is insider information. Don't tell anybody this. It's just for people that came to church today. <laughs> but on the 15th, the last night of the nativity, we're going to have uh, some special guests that came through a connection when I used to work in the museum. Um, it is Legion 6, and they're, they're, they're Roman soldier reenactors that work in Hollywood. And they do consulting for the History Channel, and they're, they're so into it that all of their, they, they don't call them outfits or costumes, they call them their kits. And their kits are so precise that they, they don't use steel unless it has been manufactured in an ancient way. And I said, well, you know, they, they, when I asked them if they wanted to come, they said, well, you know, well, our period isn't Augustine, our, our, our period is Hadrian, so I don't know if that's gonna work. I'm like, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> no one's gonna know the difference. We have, we have people in bed sheets, so no one is going to know the difference. And I'm going to tell you something about these people. I they're, it's not a church group. I don't know them. I just talked on the phone with somebody. I, I have to assume that they're not believers. And so I am inviting people into our crop that are, that are full, well, at least they present themselves as full-blown pagans. I'm going to allow them to come in and allow them to be foreigners in our land," I said. I said, "You know, we're we're, we're a church group. You know, right? You know that, right?" He's like, "Yeah." I say, "You guys can swear as long as it's in Latin, so we don't <laughs> of, so we don't offend anybody." So, but we're going to allow them to come in, and we're going to allow them to be foreigners in our land, and that's how we have to see people when they come in. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be pagans. But there might be a Ruth in the mix. There might be a Ruth that that can sit around you and and gain something from you. That that, that heart that Naomi had for the Lord. Naomi was a broken person. You might be sitting in church hurt, wounded, broken, shattered. What makes you any different than Naomi? Naomi's name meant pleasant, and she decided to change her name to Mara, bitterness, bitterness. So I'm broken. I'm bitter. I'm, life, life is bitter. It's a bitter pill right now. I don't like it. Yet she had something inside of her, that fortitude, that drew a pagan to faith. And that could be you. And I know that a lot of us are sitting here just broken. And all God wants us to do is just to call somebody around to, to minister to them in our brokenness. Some of us need to just take that bitter pill and just flush it and quit a, instead of swallowing it. To give unconditionally instead of, you know, what's in it for me? What do I get out of the relationship? All right, I'm done. Let's get the ushers in the band to come up. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this season, and I pray that through all the wrapping paper and Abu the camel and Roman soldiers, that it's all done in order to give you glory, but what you desperately desire is just to sit and talk with us. And God, may we pray this prayer. May your God be our God. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you don't know the Lord. And maybe you're sitting and you just feel the presence of God somehow. And you just want to say, whatever these creakers have, I want. May their God be my God. And may their people be my people. May I have a friendship with God and with his family. Father, right now, I just pray that uh, your presence and your peace will be made known on the campus and in our hearts and in our lives. And God, do a deep work in us. God, we know that we can't see your favor. We can't engage our favor until we have faith and faithfulness. So God, right now, I pray that you will just highlight areas in everybody's life that's, that's keeping your hand from favoring them. So God, I pray if, if there's somebody that's is dealing with that, that personality click, whether it's a, it's a temper issue, if it's a jealousy thing, if it's a selfish thing, I pray that you will just do the deep work inside of us where the Holy Spirit says, son, daughter, this little thing, this tiny little thing is keeping me from favoring you. And you, and you need to get rid of it. God, if it's unforgiveness, I pray the Holy Spirit would come come into our lives and say, look, son, daughter, there's this area in your life of unforgiveness that is that bitter pill and you need to quit swallowing it and you need to flush it. You need to let me do that deep work so that I can set up divine appointments, so that I can pour out favor and blessing on you so that you can learn how to gain not only my favor, but the favor of men as well. Give us that ability, Lord. Father, I pray that you will bless this offering, that it will be given out of joy, that it will be given out of, uh, of an abundance, God. And I thank you for the faithful, Lord. Amen.